The term selling out gets thrown around a lot lately, especially with musicians. As the music business evolved in the internet age, it became harder and harder for a musician to earn a living off of album sales. This caused musicians to seek out new income streams. Often, that new income stream came from lending the musician's image and music to a product for advertising. Is this an authentic way for a musician to earn a living, or is this selling out? The DMA report asked some people on the street what they thought about it. So when you guys are listening to music or hearing people talk about that kind of music, are there any artists who you think, man, that guy's a sellout? Um, not really. A lot of the Latin artists that I've listened to, they're really in tune with their communities. And I mean, in some way you have to kind of sell out in order to sell records, but I think that's in, with all artists in the industry nowadays. It turns out that the line between selling out and earning a living is a little fuzzy, and the answer is more complicated than we thought. Hi, I'm Matthew Billy, and this is The DMA Report, a podcast about digital music advertising, brought to you by F-Sharp. To help us figure out where the line is between earning an honest income from a person's music and selling out, we spoke to Anthony Demby. Anthony has worked for numerous major record labels, managed artists like Childish Gambino, and currently runs a company named Humble Riot that pairs musicians with brands. Humble Riot's goal is to make the relationship between the musician and the brand greater than the sum of its parts and more than simply selling a product and cutting a check to the artist. This, of course, requires Humble Riot to walk the fine line between selling out and authenticity. So we asked Anthony Demby, how do you define selling out for yourself and for your company? So I think people see this, the term selling out and framing around money, you know, upstreaming yourself to get more money to do things you don't believe in. But to me, selling out could be something that requires no finances whatsoever. Just doing things that aren't true to yourself or authentic. Things that you do something, can't look yourself in the mirror and know you did the right thing. You know, and know it's not a reflection of you. To me, that's like selling out. You know, artists selling their talents for financial gain or, not, or maybe not being true to themselves. This has really kind of occurred forever, right? One example is, you know, say, let's say Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel for, for the Roman Catholic Church who right. paid him. Do you consider that selling out? I think if your art can get to a bigger stage beyond just you and you feel good about it and you authentically feel like, you know, this is something that will further and let the world see what I'm doing, I don't think it's selling out. You know, like I first heard that term associated with music, like when artists blow up, oh, you sold out. But artists don't want to be broke, you know? People eventually want to be successful and doing what they love to do. Why would you say Weezer is a sellout? Uh, because of the State Farm song that they cover. I see, I see. So that crossed the line for you? Uh, I think that sort of just raised the bar for what we consider sellouts. I mean, we used to say that Will I Am was a sellout because he dropped the satellite radio in that one song. Um, but I think that you know, there's, I think Weezer raised the bar of what it means to be a sellout. We interviewed a lot of people on the street who have very negative things to say about it. Why do you think they are so against? artists, you know, profiting from their work. Fans of music can be selfish with artists, and you may love a particular piece of music they put out or an album or a stage in their career, and they make their next body of work, and it's something completely different. But fans don't let the artists grow and navigate themselves to that next point where they're now in a different piece of part of their lives. Like, even a human being, like, 
you weren't the same person you were when you were 13 years old. You're a different person. So why can I always be a different person as well? Now, other people that we spoke to on the street, uh, they don't really mind an artist profiting from their work so much. They don't, they don't really care about selling out. Do you feel that in the last 20 years, people have actually developed a little bit of a higher tolerance for the business side of the music industry? I think people only say something when the music or the output's not good. Like if an artist does something they don't like, that's when they're selling out. You know, like if, if it's something they're doing that's new, that they actually like, they're less likely to talk about it in a negative way. Like Drake, for example, you know, Drake started by making underground mixtapes, right? And then he starts making the bigger songs, caring to like street cultures, caring to women, and these things appeal to people. So people don't say he's selling out, he just makes music for people that want to enjoy themselves. So you think maybe selling out is, is more of a scapegoat? And to just when an artist takes a direction that people don't like. Possibly, you know, or an artist themselves goes in a complete different direction that they don't identify with. And they gain success from that. And they may, you know, sell millions of records, but they can't look themselves in the mirror anymore because what they're selling is not who they are. And that's selling out to me. Um, so in the future, do you think, you know, because of the way the music industry has changed in the past decade and a half, do you think we're going to be seeing more brand partnerships with musicians? I think so. I think brands and music need each other. I think the model for the record label, I wouldn't say it's broken, but it's, it's very, it's archaic at times. So, and there isn't a lot of upside monetarily for the artists because the bulk of the money you're getting is to make your record and then market your album. And then if you don't sell those records, you're trying to spend the rest of your career recouping. So brands come at a good time to give artists finances to, to A, survive, to pay their bills, pay their rent, to go on tour, you know, and also leverage the eyeballs of a brand they may have outside of the artist fan base, just on the marketing side. I think it's important. And I think also on the flip side, you know, artists can make brands more relevant by tapping into culture and the right cultures in the, in the right way. Well, recently, Kendrick Lamar partnered with the sneaker company Reebok and made a commercial that took his message of social revolution that's so prevalent in his lyrics and used it to sell sneakers. Um, Kendrick Lamar is free to make whatever business deals he wants to make. If he, if he wants to make a deal with Reebok, that's fine. Maybe he's been wearing Reeboks his whole life. Maybe it feels special to him to make that deal. And either way, let's say they offered him, for example, $12 million for that. Who am I to say you should turn that down? What's your take on it? Well, I think what he did was authentic to him because if you watch that, what they shot, it was about his environment. You know, the sneakers, he was wearing the sneakers, but he wasn't talking about Reebok, Reebok, Reebok. He was talking about this is where I live, this is where I'm from. My music is paying off of this canvas. So that's, I think that's authentic. And, and I like, to me, I like when, I think it was beautifully shot. I think I like when brands are in the mix, but kind of play the background and they're not beating you over the head with branding, you know, cop the new so-and-so. Like his was something that he would do. He was just like literally wearing the shoes and talking about his life. So you think that the commercial is actually quite good and people misinterpreted it? Or I think it's dope. I think, you know, they see him affiliated with the brand. Oh, you're selling out, you know? And also there's been rumors before in the past about Reebok being a brand that really doesn't care about African-Americans. So it could have been that piece of it as well. Oh, okay. That could I, have been I, I wasn't actually aware of that piece, yeah. Um, but, and I could be wrong about that, but I've heard something in the past, like in the last 20 years, like a long time ago. 
So Jason Aldean, he actually had a song that referenced drinking Shinerbach, which is a beer from Texas. Uh, Coors Light rewarded him with some money to swap the lyrics in his song to be talking about Coors Light. Did, <laughs> does that cross the line for you, or is that still okay? It's interesting. I guess comes down to what his real personal relationship with it, with it is. Was he trying to get a real message out across Shinerbach in the first place, or was he just trying to get a message out of enjoying a beer? Uh, the second example is the country artist Jason Aldean, who recently formed a brand partnership with Coors Beer. Uh, he changed the words to his song, Take a Ride, uh, by removing the word Shinerbach and substituting them with Coors Rocky Mountaintops. Uh, he then requested that all the radio stations only play the version with the branded lyrics. Is, is changing the lyrics going a step too far? I think it goes too far overall, but in this case, I mean, the first, he was talking about beer in the song anyway, he just changed the brand. Yeah, but I think Schonerbach is a much higher quality beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't drink, so I wouldn't know. You know, but like, I think he, I can see if he was talking about another thing and, and put beer in there, that could be a bit weird and authentic. But he's talking about beer anyway, so he put the brand in there, you know? So, but changing lyrics is a tough one. Yeah. But you think that the, the edit was small enough that it doesn't, it yeah. shouldn't really yeah. be something that people get too angry about. As long as it's not like the course of the song, like, you know, drink Coors Light, that's a bit, that's mm -hmm. a jingle at that point. When you're working with artists and you're working with brands, are there common mistakes you see them making that um, when, when they're trying to work together and navigate this line? of healthy partnership and selling out. Absolutely, I think often the brand may miss how to communicate with the artist. You know, like, you know, there's ways you talk to artists, there's ways, and there's brand speak. They're very different vernaculars. So it's our job at Humble Riot to come in the middle and talk to them both in the way they understand to, so, so we can all have the same conversation, kind of bridge the gap and translate both sides of it. I think brands sometimes, hey, just say, hey, this artist should be glad to do this you know, why they, why they have demands, why they have things they want, why they have their own preferences, you know? And there, there could be a lack of respect in that, in that way. Not often, but it happens some, sometimes. And ours may be like, you know, hey, where's the check? You know, I'll tweet this thing, but where's like, where there's, it's not authentic, it's not real. So to me, it works better when, A, the artist has a natural affinity for that product or that brand. So to them, it's just like them stepping in and being do what they would normally do, but now they're getting the chance to get paid for doing it. Um, you mentioned brand speak, that brands like use a lot of brand speak. What was that like a lot of company buzzwords, like synergy and- Buzzwords and KPI. Like there's different, like, there's different words you hear in these meetings. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest, when I first started working with brands in a meaningful way, you know, I would be in meetings and talk about these things and they would say these acronyms and I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, damn, what, is, what does that mean? Like, and then I would leave the meeting and like research, like what does this mean? So <laughs> the next meeting I'm on point and I know what they're talking about. And also, um, my girlfriend, when I first started working in the brand side, she worked for Coke. So I would ask her, I was like, yeah, what do they mean by this? And she would kind of school me on what they mean, you know? So I, I kind of had an insight, man, at the very beginning. And uh, last question. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any advice to artists um, that could help make a brand partnership successful? I recommend artists um, be authentic. You know, work with brands you care about, work with brands that kind of identify who you are as a person, what your music is focused on. Um, when you're doing a brand partnership, keep your fans in mind, because they're the ones that got you the visibility for a brand to even look at you and pay, pay attention to you, to be respectful of your fans. And also, you know, the brands that come to you with some demands of their own and some interests, so, you know, be open and be flexible. Because if you're doing a partnership, it's not about the brands, it's about the partnership. 
So just keep that in mind. Anthony Demby, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. That concludes this episode of the DMA Report. The DMA Report is produced by F Sharp. For more information about this podcast, please visit dmareport.com. Special thanks to Anthony Demby. For more information about Anthony and his company, Humble Riot, you can visit humbleriot.com. The DMA Report theme music was composed by Darren Lake. Darren also mixed and edited this episode. Heeman Kim created the artwork. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the DMA Report on iTunes or whatever application you use to listen to podcasts. Also, if you would like more digital music news, you can visit efsharp.com and sign up for the DMA News newsletter. That's it for now. We'll talk next time on the DMA Report. DMA Report.